to this powerful, powerful initiative. I'm going to invite um, four amazing ladies here. I'm going to let them introduce themselves um, under the great leadership and direction of Pastor, Chief of Staff, Apostle uh, uh, Christy Kirk. And we welcome the team as they come to the stage today. So we're going to start by moving these chairs closer. Those are boy distance. You know what I learned? How many guys, if you go to a movie with your best friend, you leave a seat in between when you go to the movies? Girls, do we leave a seat in between when we go to... Ooh. No. Okay. Just starting there. Okay. Yeah. How can you talk if there's a seat in between? How can you talk if there's yeah. a seat in between? Okay. Awesome. Well, we're going to get this morning started. Um, and today we have an amazing panel of some amazing um, women leaders. And so I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm Kaylee, if we haven't met, by the way. Uh, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to be asking them some questions this morning. But also, if throughout today you are, you know, hear something and you want to ask a question as well at noon here in the sanctuary we're going to continue this conversation and do more of a Q&A so bring any questions you have because um, we don't have a lot of time during chapel to get into all of that but stay here noon in the sanctuary and we're going to continue this conversation with our panelists mm -hmm. so ladies if you'd like to introduce yourselves sure okay so my name is Portia Allen And um, I'm a pastor, but I'm not a pastor on staff at a church. And someone asked, like, Portia, where do you minister? And I was like, everywhere. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, because everywhere that we go, we are ministers of the gospel of uh -huh. Jesus Christ, right? Yes. And so I do have the honor and privilege to travel, to speak, and teach about God's word, which is such a blast. And then also, um, I am a co-founder of a company called Imago Dei Consulting, where we are helping churches and faith organizations have conversation about diversity and belonging through a biblical lens, because there are conversations that need to be had, but let's see what God has to say about these things, right? Um, I'm also a wife to Clinton and a mom to three boys, and that's enough about me for now. So I'm Beth Brown. I am a professor of social work here at North Central. And uh, prior to my time here, uh, I was a youth pastor and a mental health therapist. Um, so that's a little bit, sorry, professionally, that's who I am. It's, uh, I just introduced myself as a mom of two boys more than anything else anymore, though. So they are all consuming, and that's uh, just changed my identity of, you know, who I see myself as so much in the last four years. And I'm Christy Kerr. Um, I, hello. Um, I work here at North Central with President Hagen. I also pastor Homestead Community Church with my husband, Jeff. And we have four kids and a son-in-law. That's new. So, yes, that's me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on this panel this morning. Um, so I'm just going to jump in. The first question, um, why would you say women should be invited to the table of leadership? Oh, right out the gate. <laughs> Start small. No. <laughs> um, sometimes I start this conversation uh, coming as a social worker who has worked in predominantly female spaces. Just as important as it is for me to bring a man to the table in those spaces. So I don't want you to feel like I'm just saying, I'm important, bring me. But women are important 
men are important. And for us to really reflect the image of God, I think we have to bring both of us to the table. And there are just ways that we're going to think about things different, and we can pick on um, Chris for a moment as he set up the chairs, right? He set it up from a man's perspective. But for us, we looked at it immediately and said, "Mm -mm, we got to bring the chairs together because I need to be able to reach out, right? I need to be able, did you hear that? And so, and not all women are like that, right? But it's just sometimes it's the simple things that we don't see. I'm not going to think about because I'm going to think about sitting with my friends. I'm going to put the chairs together. President Hagen might be at the table and be like, no, it's a little uncomfortable, right? We got to move that. And that's very basic, but it's very important for me to have an understanding of a perspective that I'm not in, which is why we talk about diversity as well. It's not just bringing women to the table. We need to bring representation of all of us to the table. You know, I, I want to just simply say ditto um, because it's simply, it's a difference of experience. It is a difference of perception. It is a difference of thought between men and women. And it is a more full picture of what could be when we are together with our brothers. And I love that you said um, that we're, it's not like you have to have us. We are not trying to usurp a role. Mm -hmm. We want to come alongside and together champion whatever it is that we're working, working on. And so when you have women at the table of leadership, as systems are put in place, Mm -hmm. you are working with your male counterparts in a way so that everybody that is being served by that system is served, everyone, right? Because we want everybody to feel that they have a place where they belong. Everyone to feel that, that you know what, I can lean in and I can share. I started to say, to speak my voice, but I think the, the culture has kind of commandeered that. Um, but let me say this about culture. Things that culture has taken that actually are planted within the house of the Lord, within the body of Christ, I think we have the authority from the Holy Spirit to take those things back. Not in a vindictive way, but in a place of authority of like, no, 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 no. That is a truth that is in Scripture, right? Because in Christ there's neither male nor female, Mm -hmm. all those different things. So let's all come to the table because it's going to be very effective. I agree. Perspective is everything. I might have a different perspective than you. And so um, if you look, you know, especially I'll I'll give two instances, just working here and working in environments where we're sitting around a table trying to decide everything from vacations to different decision-making things, having the perspective of somebody that has a different view as far as being a female in the workforce. Well, I have a different, I bring something different to the table when we're talking about that. And then On the other side, when we talk about church, when we talk about our churches and we talk about theology, um, this this Christmas uh, I was sharing at a conference and Dr. Tennyson was there and I shared a perspective on a certain passage of scripture and he came up to me and he said, this is why we need women theologians. I've never thought of it that way, but you saw it differently because you're a female and you have a different experience than I do. And I've never thought of that portion that way. And because of your experience as a woman, you brought something that I have never seen before. And this is why it's important that in the church, especially, we have the voices of women speaking into theology, into interpretation, into leading churches, which are filled with women. And so that we have their perspective there as well. Wow. That's all. That's so good. Um, Next question. So over your time in your careers and leadership, um, what change or progress have you seen as a woman leader? I think we're invited more readily. Mm -hmm. I I have found that I am not in places where I have to ask 
to, hey, I have some thoughts on this, but the invitation is already there before I even fix my mouth to say, I think I have something that I can bring to this. And so that's something that I've seen um, both professionally as an educator and then also in ministry more and more, um, just the invitation. I think in the professional world, I've seen more progress than maybe I saw while I was in um, church-based ministry. And But I will say, I haven't been in church-based ministry in nine years, so I can't speak to uh, more recent changes. But I know that there were things that I was invited to the table at um, in my professional career that I had to really make myself known to be invited to the table at um, in the church world. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I went to conferences, went to district events, and people would look around and say, oh, who's your youth pastor? When I'm like looking right at them, or who's your, where's your husband, if I was introduced as the youth pastor? Um, and that was still happening nine years ago. Hopefully that's not still happening today. Um, but I see a shirt. Yeah. on the front row <laughs> yes. to make sure it's known that Show that is the shirt. pastor's husband. Show him your shirt, right? honey. <laughs> pastor's so, husband, right? That's right? my guy, everybody. Yeah. And uh, so I think that the progress that I personally saw was slower on the side of the church, but being in this space, mm -hmm. I can definitely say as a female, um, my voice is valued. And I have appreciated that tremendously. I've been reflecting on this a lot because I am 49 years old. And I remember growing up, we did not have female ushers in our church. No one served, that served communion was a woman. Um, until I was an adult, I had never seen a female worship leader. I want you to think about how different your paradigm is than that. I remember seeing people here and there kind of fill in, but nobody owned that job and that role. And I remember Jeff and I going to a conference in Australia and seeing Darlene Check lead worship, and I was weeping the entire time. And at that point, we were in full-time ministry. We were worship pastors. And after that session, I remember us going out to coffee and me looking at him and him going, what was that? And I said, I don't know what that was. But I've never seen anybody doing what I want to do like that. And I just remember how, how much, you know, I grew up in a home where I was like, you can be anything. You go, you know, my youth pastor told me, you can be anything. But I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it. And when I did see it, something broke inside of me like, I want to be that. I want my daughters to never think I've never seen that. And so um, that was really the beginning of a lot of change in my life. Um, when I was growing up, if you were a female and you wanted to be in ministry, you married a pastor. That was really the paradigm. There were a few outliers of female pastors, but really that was like they kind of operated together. And so from that moment on, we really made a change in our life and ministry. And I'm so grateful that my husband at that moment went, okay, here we go. And he really started pushing me out. Well, you're going to lead then, and you're going to do this, and you're going to get credentialed, and it's going to be both of us are pastors. And now that we co-lead our church, it's just become a paradigm shift. But I'm not that old. We're not talking about 100 years ago. Right. We're talking about 25, 30 years ago. So we have made a lot of progress, but I think we still have a long way to go. For sure. That's really good. Um, kind of going on the flip side of that, what obstacles 
do you see that are still prevalent today for women in leadership? I think this is regional sometimes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, my church here, women are on the board. My church and many churches that I know in Indiana um, are just now opening up for the wife of a board member to join board meetings, right? So big difference. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things I've heard over and over over the years for women um, moving forward, some obstacles are just even getting mentored if they want to be a lead mm -hmm. pastor. Um, some of that is that old... Billy Graham rule, uh -huh. which I think maybe most people know. Um, but oftentimes, this uncomfort of being alone with right. somebody of the opposite sex um, that keeps women shut out from mm -hmm. spaces where they can learn, they can grow, their talents can be seen, right. the anointing of the Lord upon them can be evident. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, one that I've heard is, uh, or that I've experienced actually a little bit, um, there is an incident, not an incident, that makes it sound like it was this huge big deal. It, it wasn't. There was an occasion, that is a better choice of words, um, where I had the opportunity to speak and um, one of the male pastors, he was like, oh, you did a good job. And I was like, thank you. And he was like, I'm so glad you didn't cry. And I went, so I'm going to tell you what I said. <laughs> what I said was, how come so-and-so, who is a male, how come when he cries, people lean in and go, oh my goodness, there's so much heart mm -hmm. and passion. I love his authenticity and his tears. And I was like, why is it okay for him to cry, but it's not okay for me to show emotion in that way? Mm -hmm. I was like, it's a double standard and it's wrong. And so I give that example to say, my brothers, mm -hmm. please do not be afraid of our tears. Mm -hmm. And then I'm gonna say to my sisters, please make sure that you not use your tears as a manipulative tool, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yes. So I think there's hesitation in our brothers and it's been an obstacle for women in ministry. They're so emotional. Yes, we are, because this is how God made us. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You are too. Your emotion just may show up in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that I feel like that I, it, you see how readily I am to get on that box mm -hmm. because it's something that I come, f I, I feel very passionate, surprise, about it. <laughs> Um, not to manipulate, but to give context to the emotion, right? Emotion is not bad, but just how do we use it? How do we talk about it? How do we invite other people in? How do we invite others to show their emotions? And so that's something that I think, again, it's probably regional, depends on, did you grow up with sisters? Did you not grow up with sisters? Mm -hmm. Was your mom super emotional? Was she not? Um, are you... There's a lot that plays into that, but I, I have found that as a woman that that comes at me more than it does to my male counterparts. So mm -hmm. we just have the conversation mm -hmm. that it's okay yeah. just because, you know. And on the flip side, if the emotion is not tears but anger, mm -hmm. that that also is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think for me, um, you know, our early years we were worship pastors. Then I started kind of uh, traveling and speaking and, and teaching Bible studies primarily to women. And so I was very widely accepted in that space. It was, I was a woman ministering to women and that just all felt very natural. And then we planted a church and all of a sudden the audience was mixed. 
And so I didn't really anticipate that being a thing because, you know, when I was speaking to women, it was kind of nothing was ever said. And then we planted our church and immediately we started getting emails saying, hey, we'd love to come visit your church. Looks really great. Looks like a faith fit. One question, do you let women preach? And so every the first couple times this happened, I was like, I, I'm so shocked that this email is coming. And thankfully, Jeff usually responds, because I'm like, do I have to respond to that? He's like, I got it. I'll respond. And so usually he'll respond, hey, our denomination credentials women without any kind of hesitation. We believe in the anointing of men and women equally. And yes, my wife preaches um, every other week. And the response back would tip- will typically be, you know that's unbiblical, right? And then his response is usually, you probably won't like our church. <laughs> you, might, you might want to find another one. I was shocked, 100% shocked. I just had no idea. And I would say we probably get one of those emails about every other month. And I'm shocked that most of the time it's from women. So... I think we have a lot of work to do. And I think it's surprising to me because there seems to be a resurgence of this idea. And that's why I was so grateful for Dr. Tennyson's talk yesterday, giving us theological grounding as to why this is okay and how I can explain myself in a way that helps. So I would say the challenge for me is every time I get up to preach on a Sunday, I might feel normal nerves but I also have to process through the idea that there might be people sitting in here that think I'm out of line right now. And I have to mentally work myself through that. And I actually know a couple of men in my church that actually struggle with it. They're like, I'm being honest. I, I don't know how I feel about this. And I see them and I have to take a deep breath and go, okay, hold on. And so for me, it, it's another layer that I have to work myself through. And I always have to come back to, but I'm gonna be obedient. I'm going to be obedient to what God has asked me to do. But I'm just saying it's much more prevalent than we think because of the lack of of theological understanding. And I think the reason I was so excited to have Dr. Tennyson share yesterday is because those who oppose women in leadership are getting louder. And so those who support the theological understanding that God anoints men and women equally, we also need to get louder, I think. Can I, very good. Can I challenge as well? Don't, if you're leading a church or or leading something, right? Don't just bring the women to the platform uh, to speak on Mother's Day. Yeah. And Women's Women's History Month, right? I've spoken a lot of Mother's Days in my life. Right? And there's nothing wrong with having women on those days, but have them at other times too. I talk in my classes a lot about socialization, right? In our cultures, in our, in our, you know, in America, but in our cultures within the church, we've been very socialized, Mm -hmm. even within a denomination that allows for women to be in leadership, to be licensed, to be pastors. We've been socialized that women come up to speak about women's things. Uh And so I think that it kind of gives men the okay to like, I can check out today. It's not really for me, right? So I just want to challenge us to make sure that women are represented not just on those couple of special times a year. Um, And for men, I want to challenge you to keep your ears open when women speak. 
um, because they are speaking to you too. That's so good. And I just want to bounce off of what Professor Brown said at the first time. But shameless plug, if you are a woman going into ministry and you want to find a mentor, we have a mentorship yes. program. Come talk to myself or to Christy, and we would love to get you connected with a female pastor here in the Twin Cities because we don't want that to be an obstacle that you have to face while you're here at NCU. Yeah. So shameless plug. Um, yes. <laughs> next question, and this is maybe more of a specific obstacle, but this comes up a lot with anyone that's in leadership, but especially with women, and maybe one of you can define this, but how do you work through and overcome imposter syndrome? You know, Go for it, Chef. <laughs> um, I wish I could say that it's something that I never fight, but that's not true, and I don't want to lie to you all. But when it does happen, because there will be different things that come to your mind when you're stepping into what God has called you to do. And so if it's, what are you doing here? You don't have what it takes to be here. Sometimes I have to get really, really literal with myself and go, oh, no, you went to school and you did this and you did this and you did this. And it's not a conversation I'm having with anyone else. Yeah. It's a conversation I'm having with myself. And then I look at myself in the mirror. This is actually something I've started doing a lot lately. Um, I look at in the mirror and I remind myself that all of the good works that I am doing, God has prepared beforehand for me to walk in yes. them. Yes. And that he called me when I was in my mother's womb. And that um, the things that I'm stepping into, I'm not making them happen on my own. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to check my motives and be like, are you manipulating? Are you moving to try to make these things happen? When the answer is no, okay. Let's take a deep breath. Yeah. God, I know you're with me. Let's go. Yeah. Right? So I have to kind of cheer myself. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Yes. Otherwise, if you give in to all of those thoughts, it can take you down a really dark spiral. And I don't know about you, but I don't have time for that. <laughs> so as soon as I recognize it, Holy Spirit's like, hey, hey, l- look where you are. Like, okay, we know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And so um, please don't hear me say I just did it all by myself. Mm-hmm. When Holy Spirit says, hey, yeah. let's look at this, then that's when we get to work on it. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. I um, rally my troops. I bring in the other ladies and even men, you know, around me that know me and will be honest with me. And sometimes when I get invited to speak or to do something that maybe I don't feel super comfortable, mm-hmm. am I qualified? <laughs> right? I might need to ask those questions. Um, and sometimes, yeah, I can just lean in and just spend a moment and let the Lord, you know continue to remind me of all that he's done but sometimes I just need some other voices and I need them to be able to tell me no you are qualified Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you do belong at that table I think about early in my career um, I had to testify in court a lot most nerve-wracking thing ever ever I was telling um, Joshua, he was like, finally getting you back on the platform. I was like, I forgot that my ears start to get hot (laughs) on the days days I'm going to be in front of chapel. Um, It's been a long time, but nothing more nerve-wracking than when I'd have to testify in court. And um, I remember early, you know, I looked a lot younger than I do now. And uh, I was 27 the first time I had to go to court but I might as well have been 15 on the stand (laughs) as this older attorney is like yelling in my face, what qualifies you, Miss Brown? Mm. What qualifies you to tell these parents 
right? That how they're treating their child is not okay. What qualifies you? And I kept hearing that. And he kept getting smaller and smaller. And I had an attorney talk to me and say, here's what you tell them. What qualifies me is that I have this degree and I have that degree. Uh And I've spent this many years studying this subject, right? Because what my enemy in front of me, that opposing attorney wanted to do is like the voice of the enemy, right? Saying, you don't even have kids, Uh right? You're not married. You're not this. You're not that. You aren't qualified. Uh And I physically had it in front of me screaming, what qualifies you, Miss Brown, right? 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 And so sometimes when I get in those spaces and I don't have my troops around me, I remember that moment. Uh And I say, you know what qualifies me? And I go to scripture, the word of God, the fact that, right? And I start listing those things that I need to list for that moment Uh to prepare me to look Look, and the enemy oftentimes is myself, right? But to look that in the eye and say, I've got this. I'm qualified and I can do this. So good. I've had a little bit of a shift in perspective when it comes to this over the last few years because I think imposter syndrome of feeling like, oh man, I, I don't know if I belong at the table. I think my experience of becoming a pastor and seeing the um, kind of the pushback on some of those places, I've started to wonder... Because I think for a lot of women, we think, I'm just insecure. Like, I, why, I just wish I could overcome my insecurity. I just always feel like maybe I don't belong. And I think we've internalized a lot of that. And over the last couple of years, I've started thinking, you know why I struggle with wondering if I belong at the table? Because I've been told I don't belong at the table. Yeah. This isn't about me being insecure. Mm-hmm. This is about me having to defend myself. And it's not just in those tables. It's the world telling us you need to be smaller in in your leadership. You need to be smaller in your physical appearance. You need to be smaller in this. And I think for a lot of women, we're internalizing all of this pressure to be something different than who we are. And we internalize it and we think, I'm just so insecure. I wish I could get over my insecurity. And I think one of the best things that happened to me was having somebody blatantly going like, I don't think you belong here. And me going, well, well, hold on. <laughs> that's not insecurity. Yeah. That, like, you're wrong. Yeah. Like, that's different. Yeah. And I have kind of started to change my mindset when I start to feel like you need to make yourself smaller or you don't belong at that table. I, instead of thinking like, I just need to feel more secure, I stop and go, okay, let me think this through. I think you're wrong. I do belong here. Like she said, this is who God's equipped me to be. This is who he's made me to be. And I actually have to look it in the face. And then I have to actually overcome it. And then I have to say, I choose. I will always fear God more than I fear men. And I walk myself through that process. And it's actually helped me because I think for a lot of us, we just carry this internal stuff and we think it's just us. And I think more and more I'm realizing, no, there are a lot of systematic things around us that give us those messages that who we are is not enough. And we just think that it's insecurity, but it's not. We're actually responding to constant messaging that who you are is not okay. And we have to push back about that. And that is why it's so important that we champion one another and say, when I see Portia, I tell her, 
Whatever you need from me, however I can help spur you on to anything you're doing, I'm your first phone call. I've got your back. I will hold your purse. I will drive you anywhere, right? However I can help you see who you are in Christ, I got you. And the more we do that for each other, the more it helps us overcome that feeling like we don't belong. That's so good. This is a panel, but you guys are preaching. (laughs) So good. And this, well, you kind of started to lead into the next question I wanted to ask. Um, but how would you encourage a female leader or female student that has been overlooked or misrepresented? Mm. That's a good one. That's a hard one. Okay. Yeah, keep going. I'm thinking. <laughs> um, I'll tell you the first thing that came to mind is pause. Pause. Um, because there have been, there, there is something recent in my life where I thought I had been overlooked. And the Lord's like, give it a second. Hmm. And I had not actually been. Hmm. So I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Now for the person who truly has been overlooked, and usually if you've been overlooked in one instance, it's probably unfortunately a pattern. Hmm. That it, it happens often to you. Um, in a ministry sense, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm saying this very carefully. Walk carefully, mm. right? Um, because though things are changing, mm-hmm. as women, we need to be very aware of the fact that everything is not to the point where we know that it will be one day, mm-hmm. right? So in a ministry context, you cannot come in like a bull in a china shop. You did that. Mm-hmm. That's not going to serve you well. Mm-hmm. Um, And so in that space, I encourage, go slow, Mm -hmm. go with humility, Mm -hmm. and ask your question Mm -hmm. to whomever that question needs to be asked. Because if you will go slowly, that slowness allows you to hear what God may be saying to you about the circumstance. It allows Holy Spirit to minister to whatever hurt Mm -hmm. that you experience Mm -hmm. in being overlooked, And sometimes in that, God's like, I got you. Mm -hmm. And there isn't anything else that you need to do. And sometimes when you have ought with a brother, I went straight King James Version there. She pulled out an ought. (laughs) If you have something against a brother or sister, because sometimes the overlooking comes from another female, Mm -hmm. um, Matthew tells us that you go to the person Mm -hmm. and you say, this happened and you talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. And when you go with humility, and when you do this before you go and tell all of these people, you go to the person, there is much more opportunity for whatever wrong to be righted, or context to be given, or understanding to be shared, right? And then it also could be, this is just not your moment, Mm -hmm. which is hard. I feel like this is not an encouraging answer. Go slow, put on humility, go to the person. So those are the initial things. And I was just kind of thinking about, I was thinking about this answer because I don't want to say it in a way and it just like passes the buck and then everybody can be like, oh, I didn't do anything wrong by not seeing that person. But sometimes when being overlooked... We, well, one thing is we have to protect our hearts. We have to make sure that we don't grow bitter. We have to, you know, come to that person in humility. We have to do those things. But sometimes it's not a person. It's a system. It's yeah. huge. 
we can let bitterness grow in our heart. We can become more insecure. We can take on those things. And sometimes for me, I just picture myself as that beautiful piece of pottery that's on a shelf. For whatever reason, even though I'm perfectly capable for the moment at hand, I wasn't chosen. Mm-hmm. And it's not about me. It's not anything wrong in me. And so I, I take that time to just say, okay, what can I learn in this season? Mm-hmm. What can I reflect on? Knowing there's going to be a time. There will be a time. Mm-hmm. Because God has put something in me, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And he's not going to overlook me. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I just choose to use those moments instead of being angry and bitter to say, okay, God, you're going to keep working on me. And what can I learn in that? I say I'm hesitant because I don't want to give that as a, so men, you don't have to worry about it. Or women, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to bring people in. Um, But I think when we're overlooked, we can still take that time and say, okay, God, how can I grow in this moment? I know we're running out of time, so I'll wrap her up here. Um, I think it's important to just keep doing your thing, you know? Um, The guys in my church that are still like, I'm just not sure about this, but they go, but I really like it when you preach. So I think it's just, that's the part of how we just keep showing up. And I don't, you know, I keep myself soft, and I think, okay, they're not terrible people, they just have a different understanding of scripture than I did, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep doing my thing, and I think probably in a few years they'll go, I I think I feel okay about this, right? So we just keep showing up, we keep doing the things that God has called us to do, we stay close to the Lord, and I think he makes a way for us, and he continues to open doors for us. And so I just think it's so important that in those seasons, though, that you have people like this, that you rally around each other, you support one another, you you invest in other people because this is how we continue to keep each other strong in the midst of all of this growing and all of this change. And so, um, like Kaylee said, if you need a mentor, we got mentors for you. If you want, if you're a guy and you're like, I would love to just spend some time talking to a, a female leader so that I have some understanding of what... You, Come talk to us. We would be happy to meet with you and talk with you. And, um, and then invest in people who you see the potential in for growing. And I actually have a little piece that is a surprise today because our church is really committed to investing in leaders. And so we just decided last year that we were going to start uh, putting our money where our mouth is. And I have a surprise for you. Homestead Church is giving you a $2,500 scholarship for next year. Because she didn't know I was going to do that. (laughs) Because I've been mentoring Kaylee this year, and I'm not just mentoring her with nice words. I got you. Because this woman is anointed of God, and she's going to go, and she's going to lead a church. And this is how we keep encouraging women to grow into leadership. So that's just a surprise for you today. So we love you, and we believe in you. (laughs) You want to wrap it up? Can we just give it up for our amazing panelists this morning? Thank you so much for your time. Well, I'm stunned.
Um, just to give you guys a heads up, so if you want to stay and continue this conversation, we're going to have our panelists here. Bring your questions. We'd love to just keep this conversation going. Um, and then at 5 p.m., Delta Kappa with Black Student Union and Asian Student Alliance is doing Sip and Paint in the Library Sunroom. So ladies, show up for some artistic outlets. Um, and there's also the job and internship fair happening over in the gym. So go get a job. <laughs> <laughs> get a job.